Our first reading for today is from the 17th and 18th chapters of 1 Samuel. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Shareim as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. As soon as Saul saw David go out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As your soul lives, O king, I do not know. And the king said, Inquire whose son the boy is. And as soon as David returned from striking down the striking down of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor, and even his sword and his bow and his belt. David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul set him over the men of war. This was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands, David his ten thousands. Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. He said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands. And to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is from the 27th chapter of Acts. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous, because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, 
not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship and to what Paul said. Because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. Now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. When the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Kauda, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship and boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then, fearing that they would run aground on the Sirtis, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told but we must run aground on some island. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue our recitation of the Catechism with the first commandment. What is the first commandment? You shall have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. As we restart basically the small catechism today with uh, the first commandment, we should really take heart of this commandment in particular. It's the greatest commandment, probably one of the greatest pieces and elements out of the whole small catechism. It identifies who God is. And as Luther said and gave us the meaning, we should fear, love, and trust God above all things. And Luther also said, not only does this identify how our minds should be in our hearts toward God, but it can also help us identify when we have false gods in our lives. Because they have a tendency to sneak in. False gods are not all always just the little idols that people used to worship in the Old Testament. Luther said a false god could be anything 
that you fear more than God. A false God could be anything that you love more than God. A false God could be anything that you trust in more than God. That's why he wrote the meaning the way he did. We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. I mean all things. That's why Luther added that. All things. Everything. That's hard to do. Today we read this story about the Apostle Paul. And as the story goes along, we of course know that he has this this great shipwreck on the island of Malta. I want you to understand a little bit about what he's going through. And the, and I believe it's 276 men who are on that ship with him. This is a big boat and a lot of people. They're sailing along because it's, it's the end of fall, basically. And uh, the ships don't sail during winter. It's too dangerous. But, but they kind of throw caution to the wind, so to speak. And they try to make it to Crete because they didn't like the harbor they were at. That was a mistake. They didn't make it to Crete. Because as Paul said, and as Luke recorded in Acts, a nor'easter, well, they called it a northeaster, we just call it, nor'easter, came barreling down. And it's basically a wind that comes off of the island of Crete, and it is incredibly strong. And it comes around the fall and the winter. And it just so happened to clip them. Uh, the northeaster that he's talking about here is not too different from what we face here, right? We all know what a nor'easter is in the winter. It's usually a really bad snowstorm that's coming. It comes off the, the oceans and it comes from the north and down. And it's bad, isn't it? It can sometimes bring a foot of snow or even more. And it brings really bad winds. Well, imagine you're in the middle of the Mediterranean and a northeaster hits you. You're on a sailboat. You don't have a motor. You don't have oars. You're sailing. And you're caught in this type of wind. It was bad. So on the first day, what they do, because they're actually terrified the ship could be torn apart. The scriptures say they undergird the boat. They basically took ropes, fed them at the front of the boat and underneath the boat and tied them. And they kept doing that to literally hold the boat together with ropes from underneath and up. That's what they were facing. wonder if they thought about the first commandment. We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Because they were afraid, right? That, that boat, what could happen to them on that boat was terrifying. If it split apart, they'd drown. Terrible death. They couldn't swim. They could maybe float on some of the wood. They were terrified. And yet the first commandment says we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things, even more than a boat that's getting tore apart by a northeaster. 
So the next day, this kept going on. They tied the boat up. And in order to not fight the wind too much, but to just allow it to push them, they threw all the cargo off. You know, all the stuff they were carrying. They just weren't going on a boat ride like it was some kind of cruise line. They were carrying things. Cargo, wheat, barley, gold, money, parchments for Rome. They were carrying passengers. They had all kinds of stuff. Stuff that they loved. They brought their own stuff. They had their own suitcases on board. And guess what they did with all of it? Picked it up. Chucked it over the side. Didn't matter if they had one of their greatest possessions in their suitcase or not. Over it went. Didn't matter if it was a chest full of gold that they worked so hard for. It's their life savings. And they loved their life savings. Off it went. I wonder if they thought we should fear, love, trust in God above all things. Even the possessions of this life that we tend to love so much. Well, this kept going on. They kept getting pushed. And the next day, they threw all the tackle, all the equipment that the sailors used, they threw that over to try and just ride the wind. And then it happened again the next day. And the next day. And the next day. And the next day. For 14 days, they lived like this. Oh, and later in Acts, it also says that uh, they couldn't navigate anymore. They couldn't see the sun or the stars or the moon at all. The sky was basically covered in clouds and storm. That's what it was like for them for 14 days. All they saw was this boat they were trying to hold together, and they were being pushed along. They could trust that the ropes they tied the boat together with would hold. I bet they hoped those ropes would hold. They could trust that maybe their skill as sailors would get them through a tight jam, but even that was being stripped away. It's amazing in a situation like that, that all of their skill, all of their equipment was gone. Everything was lost. They couldn't trust in themselves. They couldn't trust in anything that they could do. They couldn't even trust in the boat. It was going to fall apart at any moment. They were basically holding it together with glue and duct tape. I wonder if they thought maybe we should trust in someone else, someone greater. We should fear, love, trust in God above all things. Well, the good news with Paul and the others is that Paul was given a vision. An angel came and told him that they would survive. And later in this story in Acts, Paul encourages all of the men, to eat some of the wheat that they had kept before they threw it overboard also and to be strengthened by God's word that he would see them through this, that they would survive. And they did. Miracle of all miracles, not a single one of them was killed. The boat crashed, 
but they all floated to shore on pieces of the wood. They all survived. They shouldn't have. But God wanted them to. And God saw them through it because there is no one or no thing in this world that we should fear, love, or trust more in than God. Because God will always be there at the end, especially the end of our lives. No matter what we go through in our lives, no matter what we lose in our lives, no matter what trust is broken in our lives, God has always proven himself to you. Always proven trustworthy, always proven loving, always proven himself to be forgiven to all of us, especially when we don't deserve it, right? And he especially shows that to you in Jesus Christ, our Lord, who suffered and died for us on a cross and rose from the dead to promise us that we also will rise from the dead, that all believers will rise from the dead as well, that we don't even have to fear death anymore. No. We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And that truly includes everything. Amen. And now may the peace of our God, which surpasses our understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.